Hi, and welcome to the Investment Week podcast for January 2017. This month, we're talking about tax-efficient products, and more specifically, venture capital trusts, or VCTs, and enterprise investment scheme, or EIS funds. I'm your host, Jane Arana, and I'm an asset management correspondent at Investment Week magazine. Investment Week has been the premier publication serving professional investors in the UK since 1995. You can find out more about us by visiting www.investmentweek.co.uk. Venture capital trusts and EIS funds are ways in which people can invest in startups, early stage and specialist companies in the UK. While they may be considered riskier than vehicles investing in quoting companies, they provide considerable tax incentives. But despite raising around two billion a year, this area of the industry gets minimal coverage and it's been faced by further challenges following a number of rule changes back in November 2015. I'll be joined today by VCT and EIS Fund Manager to talk about their products and what they're doing to help inform and educate the public about what they do. But first, I'm joined by Ben Yearsley, Co-Founder and Investment Director of The Wealth Club, a service launched early last year for high net worth and sophisticated investors. Thank you for joining us today, Ben. Hi. So, first of all, can you just summarise the 2015 rule changes and how they've impacted the market since? In a nutshell, the the rule changes threw the industry into a bit of turmoil for a while, and they were designed to refocus venture capital trusts and enterprise investment schemes into more growth-orientated businesses, um, which might sound odd when you most people would assume these are growth businesses, but uh, probably for the last five, six, even ten years, uh, VCTs have been focused on later stage management buyout opportunities, and EIS have been focused on asset-backed and lots of things like renewable energy, so much more secure, stable businesses that the rules weren't really intended for. And so the November 15 changes were designed to refocus both products back to what they were meant to be for, which was for uh, backing growth-orientated businesses and not predictable businesses, which is what it had almost turned into. So what's the outlook for the coming tax season? Well, so you had so obviously those rule changes had a massive impact on the industry, and um, there was a lot of uh, gnashing of teeth from from managers from both sides of the equation, and actually very few deals got done uh, because whilst the impact of the rules were digested, I suppose, and w- roll on to now, so twelve, fourteen months later, and the ultimate impact was that. A lot of managers who had concentrated on a certain type of product decided, actually, we don't want to fundraise anymore. So lots of the big, just looking at VCTs to start with, lots of the big generalist VCTs that had raised 20 million, 30 million, 40 million pounds a year and deployed that successfully into three or four or five companies, suddenly they couldn't do that and they couldn't, so there was no point in them raising money. So you get to today and it's a different market. So they're all now having to raise growth capital, not management buyout capital, which means that they're, they've got fewer deals to do and they are almost treading into new areas or areas that they haven't really been properly in for a while. So it's meant that in terms of supply, if you're looking at investing in these products this year, there's a lot less supply on, on around and actually it's slightly higher risk than it was, say, 12 months ago. That doesn't make these products a bad product, or VCTs or EIS bad products, it just means you might well miss out, actually. And what about the EIS space? Yeah, EIS is is similar. Again, asset-backed opportunities uh, dominated the market 
for, for most of the early part of this decade, specifically renewable energy that's now completely banned. Energy generation is no longer allowable in basically any form. Um, and again, but that was a very, very popular area for investment because it's predictable. And, you know, you look at it and go, what's, you know, what's difficult about um, generating solar energy? There's no risk there, really. And hence, huge amounts of money went into it, which the government said, that's stupid. You're not taking a risk. You don't deserve a tax break. Fine. No problem with that. But again, um, the asset-backed space, which has been very, very popular in the EIS world, has had to refocus again into into different sorts of assets and different, different asset backing. So the renewable energy space has probably moved on to things like children's nurseries and pubs and those kind of areas, bricks and mortar backing. But it's not quite as simple as just there's some money and go and do it. It's finding the management teams and the entrepreneurs to run those businesses. So again, the EIS world, less um, product than last year and definitely the year before because of the banning of energy and renewable energy. So not just uh, VCT and DIS managers, but how can we as an industry encourage a better understanding of the, these areas and raise their profile for investors? I think that, well, firstly, you look at all the others, so not just the changes that have gone on in, in this space, but the, the pension changes that came into effect at the beginning of this tax year uh, will have a huge, in, or potentially have a huge impact on this sector. If you're a high net worth individual earning over 150 grand a year, you know, you you can't put more than forty grand. Well, you can't put more than forty grand a year into a pension. If you're earning over two hundred ten thousand pounds a year, you can only put a maximum of ten thousand a year into your pension. Now, if you roll back to two thousand and I think ten or eleven, you could put two hundred fifty thousand a year into your pension, or almost two hundred fifty thousand. And so, there's a huge opportunity here for the venture capital and the EIS industries to actually become the replacement for want of a better, you know, it's not direct replacement, it's a different product, but become the tax-efficient replacement for those higher earners who can no longer do pensions. And so there's a, there's a massive opportunity here for advisors to actually get into the space, to understand the product, to, um, you know, to, 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 you know, research it, to, to learn when you can use it and when it's appropriate and those kind of things. So there's a massive opportunity there because of things like the pension changes that, that came in at the beginning of this year. And I think a lot of people haven't realised the impact of those changes yet. It's one thing telling people about these schemes, but how about improving the the perception of them and separating them from this idea of tax avoidance schemes? I think there needs to be a differentiation between government-endorsed schemes, and I would say VCTs, EIS, SEIS are government-endorsed because there's specific legislation relating to them and the tax breaks and what they're supposed to do as opposed to lots of the tax avoidance schemes that make the headlines that are just using things like partnership law and case law to to generate artificial losses. And there's never a distinction in the national press, certainly, about the differences in the products. And um, I think that's probably the first problem. Um, But the industry probably needs to do more, the, the venture capital industry needs to do more to promote the fact that actually these are proper schemes legislated for that are backing long-term growth businesses uh that one of the vct firms came out with a um a really good report about the venture capital industry showing that vcts had created more jobs and i can't remember what the exact stats were but vcts had created more jobs than FTSE 100 companies over the last few years because of the money going into it, because these are small, growing, dynamic businesses, whereas you become a FTSE 100 company, you're typically trying to cut costs 
and grow your business, you know, by price increases rather than you know organic growth. So I think the VCT industry and the EIS industry can do a lot to promote the benefits of what they're investing in and the benefits to the economy, job creation, growth, wealth creation, all those kind of things. At the centre, remembering, remembering these are products that are legislated for. They're not dodgy schemes. And it is frustrating when the two get put together in one thing. And I imagine the company that you co-founded, Wealth Club, does a lot in trying to dispel that that view. Can you tell us a bit about Wealth Club? And yeah, so going, going back, it was a very simple idea. I mean, going back to the pensions... Um, changes. It was really sort of partially set up myself and Alex Davis, who was um, my co-founder, who was uh, one of the senior directors at Hargreaves Lansdowne. And it was simply a case of, A, looking at the pension changes coming through, and also looking at the lack of information about these products on the market. You know, there was nowhere to go to actually find out about a lot of these products. They're kind of it's a two billion pounds a year industry, so four hundred and fifty million or so goes into VCTs, and over one and a half billion into EIS annually, and yet there's so little information about them and out there for the general public, and we wanted to change that. So that's simply why we set it up to, you know, tap into this what's happening in the pensions world and 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 the restrictions on where you can invest, and actually provide the knowledge, information, and you know, the means for a lot of high net worth and sophisticated investors to invest. Great. Well, hopefully we can get the ball rolling a bit more this year. Um, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Our second guest today is Chris Hutchinson, Director at Unicorn Asset Management and Manager of the Unicorn AIM VCT, the largest AIM-focused VCT in the industry. So Chris, can you summarise the investment objective and approach of the Unicorn VCT? Uh, Of course, Jaina, and thank you very much for having me. Um, Our VCT is primarily uh, aimed at achieving three simple objectives. The first and foremost point is preservation of capital. Uh, We don't like the idea of people putting their hard-earned money into a fund and then finding that it is at a significant discount to that initial investment. Uh, We've been managing this fund for a long time and have got a good track record of delivering uh, absolute returns for investors. The second and very important objective is sustainable tax-free dividend income to investors. And again, in that respect, we have uh, developed and established a track record of significant dividend distributions uh, returned to shareholders year in, year out over the 16-year life of the fund. And finally, uh, although as in life there are no guarantees, but I like to think that in any five-year holding period, we would be uh, in a position to deliver some capital growth 
two investors. We have an established portfolio today consisting of 71 active VCT qualifying investments and a net asset base of 150 million in total. Uh, so, in fact, um, new investors to our VCT are accessing an established pool of strongly performing quoted companies, predominantly quoted on AIM, uh, and therefore we're confident that we can deliver that capital growth over time. So why are companies listed on the AIM market particularly attractive? The attractions for us in particular is that it puts those businesses on a much firmer footing. It establishes their profile in the market. It allows liquidity in the shares uh, and clearly it establishes credibility amongst their potential customers uh, who can see that the disciplines are in place, they're subject to the same sorts of regulation as you would be on a main market and clearly it also allows potential customers of those businesses access to information about the balance sheet, the previous trading history, and therefore gives them much more confidence in trading with that business. Those factors tend to make uh, businesses uh, that list on AIM very attractive to us. And what's deal flow been like over the last year, or more specifically since the rule changes in 2015? Well, that's an excellent question, Jane. I was very worried about it uh, to start with because I felt that it might not only restrict the number of companies seeking a listing on AIM that were VCT qualifying, but also it might affect the quality of those businesses as well, i.e. Uh, the relative stage of development, uh, the risk profile that was proposed. Um, in fact, what's happened is there are fewer smaller company brokers who are representing such businesses. However, those brokers have embraced the new rules uh, and are very active in terms of bringing potential investments to us. So over the last 12 months, we raised uh, 10 million of new capital in January last year. I've been able to deploy all of that money into six really interesting VCT qualifying opportunities. Uh, I've been able to maintain our um, approach, which is to remain very selective. So I've also rejected a number of investment opportunities that have come our way in the last 12 months. And as a result, a year on, I feel very comfortable that we can continue to source and invest in really interesting businesses in the future. That, that's great. Um, can you name a few of those new investments? Um, I certainly can. Um, we've invested in, most recently, I'll give you a good example of a business we invested in very recently, just before the end of last year, a company called ECSC Group. It's a specialist in cybersecurity. It's been trading successfully for about 10 years, I think. It has grown steadily and consistently over that time and has chosen this moment to list on AIM, partly because uh, the focus on all things related to cybersecurity is, is very intense and they're in a, in a very good space, but partly because they've matured to the point at which actually an AIM listing is a very sensible decision for them. And finally, what is Unicorn doing to promote or more importantly, educate people about venture capital trusts? These are established products now. They're not nearly as scary as um, many people imagine them to be. And I often describe our VCT with that 150 million of net assets as being akin to a mainstream smaller company's investment trust. 
but one which just so happens to have plenty of extremely attractive tax advantages. Um, and therefore, the risk profile over the last 20 years of VCTs has changed dramatically. Uh, and I think um, most investors, if they spend a little bit of time getting to know uh, more about venture capital trusts, they will actually come to understand quite quickly that they're really viable propositions. Our job, therefore, is to get that message out in every way we can. And uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk about um, venture capital trusts in general today. Not at all. And best of luck for the new offer for subscription. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. For the final segment of this podcast, I'll be speaking to Paul Bedford, Chairman of Addition Capital and Manager of the Addition EIS Fund, which is currently open and available for investment. Thank you for joining us today, Paul. Hi, Jana. So we've just heard about a venture capital trust. How is an EIS fund different? Well, there are obviously some technical differences between the two. For instance, a VCT has a minimum hold of five years and an EIS has a minimum hold of three years. Uh, VCT is a 200,000 maximum investment, whereas EIS is a million. Uh, in terms of EIS, you can also get CGT deferral and loss relief. But one of the advantages with VCT is that you can get uh, tax-free dividends. And I think that's the, the difference. What, what seems to have um, sort of ended up, the scenario that's ended up, I think, is that a lot of people are using VCTs where they can get a regular income stream. So they can use that for th- things like school fees and that sort of thing. So they know they're going to get regular income. And people use EIS when they don't really need the income and they want the capital to work harder because the VCTs obviously are going to have to keep some liquidity in order to pay out dividends. But with uh, with the ISs, they can use all of the capital knowing that they don't, they're not going to return it for three years so they can work it a bit harder and hopefully generate some extra returns. So can you briefly summarise the investment objective and approach of first edition EIS? Yeah, so the, the idea of first edition, um, the team have a massive amount of experience in the media sector. We've got over 50 years between us. And there is some real opportunity. We're looking mainly at what we call second stage businesses. They're businesses that will be making a profit between uh, 100 and 250,000 pounds already. So they're already profitable, but we can see the opportunity to use our experience to work with them and to go on a very rapid growth path. Um, we could, we believe, we can take some of those businesses to making, you know, inside two, three years, one and a half to two million pounds. So if you can increase the profitability tenfold, you can increase the value of those businesses, uh, like in in a similar way. It's a very straightforward opportunity. These businesses are, have very clearly defined cash flows and are very straightforward. Um, share certificates are very easy to obtain because they're real trading businesses and there are no issues with share certificates. So we think it's a very straightforward opportunity. We've pre-identified four of the investments and it's important for us that people can feel and touch what we're investing in so they can actually get to understand the businesses that we're going into. And if I may, I'd like to give you an example of one of those businesses. uh, We've pre-agreed an investment in a company called Snowbox um, which is a, a snow festival that happens in Avorias in the, in the Alps. Um, they take the, the, the uh, resort over for the week. It's a fantastic event, already profitable, as I say, but we believe that snowbots can be grown, but it can also be taken to other ski resorts around the world, and therefore you can very quickly roll out and increase 
um, the profitability of, of uh, the, these investments. So that that's our, our main premise. You've mentioned a couple of examples there, um, but why the media and entertainment sector as a whole? What makes this area particularly profitable? Well, I think, as I, as I touched upon, I think uh, they're rel- relatively straightforward businesses with good cash flows. The, 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 the money tends to turn into cash very quickly, so they're very straightforward. Um, if you know what you're doing in media, as I say, there are high growth opportunities. You can very quickly get traction in the media space and turn a business uh, from a small profit into a large profit. This has been done numerous times, and we've done it, you know, half a dozen times with with uh, with investments and taking them through the gears and and created very big success. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of venture capital money coming into media. I think people have un- identified that it's an underserved marketplace in terms of capital. Um, and I think that gives us an opportunity. There's a very clear path to exit, which I think is very important as well. Um, there are lots of trade players who will not initiate new businesses. They let let others start the businesses up in the independent sector. We can back them, we can grow them, and then we can sell to the trade players. But there's also the opportunity to sell um, to uh, venture capital houses. So I think I think it's as important, you know, you don't want to get stuck with these investments. You want to be able to grow them and you want to be able to exit them quickly and efficiently. And that's what we've proven we've done by selling Impresario, for instance, in four years to Global. We, we did the exit as cleanly as, as, as sort of uh, we came into the, the, the business. And thinking about the year ahead, what challenges or opportunities are you anticipating? Well, I think one of our challenges is that word media. Um, I think it, it's, a lot of people see it as a scary word. You know, we love it. It's, it's the environment we live in and we know it's a world that we know. And I think if you go into media with people who know what they're doing, as I say, the opportunities are fantastic. We have many times now the team have created successful businesses and, and generated fantastic returns for investors. We've done that consistently over the last 15 years in previous employments. Um, but it, it is something that people are slightly nervous of, um, whereas you know we're, we're excited by it and we love it. You know, I think um, the other challenge we have, dare I say it, the word Brexit, it, it, it's about a state of mind. I think we have to be very careful in this country that we don't talk ourselves into a negative scenario when it when it doesn't really exist. I think for 99% of us, this year is going to be just another year. We get on with our lives and we carry on. Um, the reason we think there's a really exciting opportunity is for the younger generation, it's all about experience nowadays. It, it used to be for us, I think, uh, for my generation, about what we owned and what we you know, our possessions. And now it's much more about the experience. And if you look online on Facebook, it's look, I did this, I did that. And it's, it, there's a real, people are looking for something exciting and different. And I think that's exactly what we can serve. Um, and it feels to us like there is a, there's another surge coming in terms of people wanting that experiential opportunity and something like Snowbox and sharing that experience with a whole load of other ski lovers. is, an, is It's a brilliant, brilliant environment, you know, and, and that's exactly what people are looking for, something that really, really excites them. Sounds very exciting indeed. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you. Well, that's all we have time for for this month's podcast. We'd love to hear your comments as well as ideas for future podcasts or if there are any particular topics you'd like us to cover. You can contact me via email at jaina.rana at incisivemedia.com. Thanks for listening.